if there's a coach or a player listening right now, like if you see some type of signs, like just talk to them. So they, they know that you're there. They know that you're, you're listening, that you understand that you may not understand like a hundred percent or so, but just so they can feel that they're, they're being seen. Hey there, you're listening to Virago Pod, a podcast that is dedicated to empowering and improving the physical and mental health of female athletes everywhere. This podcast is brought to you by The Virago Project, a nonprofit organization that helps female athletes balance sports with life. I'm your host, Emily McGee-Zeslowski. And I'm your co-host, Taylor Tracy. Let's jump right into the episode. Hi, Virago Warriors, and welcome back to episode 27 of Virago Pod. Today, we have former Duke University women's basketball player Lene Bolton joining us to discuss how her athlete identity was impacted by factors like her injuries, along with depression and anxiety. May starts Mental Health Awareness Month, and here at Virago Project, we are looking forward to sharing more stories from sportswomen to help normalize a lot of the struggles you all are facing. In upcoming weeks, we have podcasts with the current Team USA field hockey player who discusses setting mental health with yourself and teammates and how to have tough conversations with teammates who might have different beliefs or opinions than you. We also have someone joining who is a former athlete in her youth, but is now in the sports industry and has struggled with if she belongs because she is not the quote unquote elite athlete that so many women in the industry just tend to be. If you're looking to share your story with us, please check out viragoproject.org and under support us, click get involved to share your story with us. While you're on our website, go ahead and register for our upcoming event our Sportswomen Create Art Exhibition Fundraiser, where about a dozen sportswomen in our community are creating art pieces of many, many different mediums. I'm really excited for you guys to see on various topics impacting sportswomen today. It is free to the public with an optional donation when you sign up and the art pieces will be sold after the event as well. So make sure you register now so you do not miss it. Okay, that is it for updates. Let's get into today's episode. Okay, I've got Lene of One of a Kind Foundation Incorporated on the line. Thank you so much for coming with us. I have checked out your page, your organization, and I am so excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It means so much to me and everything. So today we're going to talk about the athlete identity and how it can impact mental health in sportswomen. Can you tell me a little bit about how you dealt with your uh, athlete identity throughout your career, any injuries, and how that may have impacted your mental health? Yeah. So originally my athlete identity, it was, it was like an all-time high. Um, in high school, I was like, top 10 in my class. I, um, I graduated high school in 2014. So I have the 2014 class of everyone that played uh, high school basketball girls and everything. I was um, number 10. I was a McDonald's All-American. So as in high school, like athlete, like you're kind of like feeling yourself and your identity is up in the sky and everything. Um, but as I got to college, it slowly went down and um, <laughs> I got a real uh, reality check. Um, it wasn't that I couldn't perform, but like you said, uh, with injuries, I had eight surgeries throughout my time at Duke, um, and everything, uh, throughout my four years. So facing those injuries really shot my identity, not even just for myself, because I felt that 
honestly, I felt like I was a disappointment. Like I did so well in high school and then going to college, like I didn't perform the way that I wanted to. I didn't perform the way other people wanted me to. So my headspace was not where I wanted to be at all. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really common. And we, we've talked to Taylor and I both didn't play, like have the role we envisioned our freshman year. And it's like also really hard too. when like, you feel like a disappointment, not even but for like other people too, like you come home for Thanksgiving, winter break and people are like, oh, how'd you do this year? And you're like, <laughs> just sitting there with like a smile. Like, oh, our, our team did. Okay. Like whatever, yeah. 500, but don't ask about me. I'm like hanging on by a thread here. Um, so I, I saw kind of a little bit of your story before you came on, just when I was looking at your page and the, the woman we had last week as well, quit her sport in college. So we didn't get much into it last time, but on last episode. So I wanted to talk to you more on how you made that decision to retire from sport and decide that, okay, this is what's best for me right now. And then looking back, have you had any regrets on that process? So my junior year, I had six surgeries, I believe, and I already knew I had to get one more, but leading up to the sixth surgery. So I, my junior year was probably the least amount of time I played. Um, and so I was kind of falling out of, falling out of love with the sport already. Um, just because my body wasn't working the way that I wanted it to. Um, I didn't really see like the potential like that. I saw myself like my freshman year coming into college and everything. So it was just bad, bad headspace, bad confidence, bad self-esteem and everything. So I wasn't playing and then we went to the ACC tournament and I started playing good. My coach started to recognize that I was playing well and I started to play more. And I already knew at the end of the season that I needed to get one surgery. So that would have been surgery number five. And so it started to bother me more and everything. I played throughout the played through it the whole season, even though I wasn't playing a lot. So I had to practice every day and I still had to like do be present for the games and everything even though sometimes I wouldn't play but I still had to do conditioning after the games and stuff so it wasn't like I was just like taking a break my whole uh, junior year but after the tournament we went to like a doctor's checkup and I and they were like you can either get the surgery now or you can continue to wait till after the surgery to after the season and I said let's do it now like I just want this season to be over for me like let's do it now so my trainer got word from the doctor. She's like, what, why are we, why are we, where, why are we doing it now? Like we can wait and stuff for a little bit. And I was like, I'm in pain. Like, I don't want to do it. And honestly, like my head's not there. And so she's like, let's talk to coach and see what she says. No coach is going to be like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I was going to say no. <laughs> and so my coach was like, no, like you've been playing like exceptionally well and like you're going to play more and we're going to the NCAA tournaments in, like in a couple weeks or so, like we need you. And I see you being like a big part of like our, our time at the tournament. And so talking like back and forth with my coach and my trainer, I was like, all right, fine, let's do it. I will wait to the end of the season. I'll push through it and everything. And um, this is fine. And literally that same day in practice, I tore my knee. <laughs> and so that was, that was surgery number five. And then I already had to get the one that I was planning to get. So then I was six. And at that time I was just like, I, I don't know if I can keep doing this. So my medical, uh, uh, my medical team was already talking about a medical hardship, which is basically retirement, stepped away from the sport. And after 
those two surgery, I was kind of like, I don't really see like a, a point in this anymore. Um, I came here, I met great people. I've had great experiences, but I don't want to keep putting my body through two surgeries every year. And then fast forward to senior year where I had to get two additional surgeries again. Um, and I wasn't even playing. So in the, in the perspective of regrets, as far as my body, no, I don't have any regrets. But as far as like the high schooler that's like looking back, like looking forward and everything to college, I do have some regrets of not trying my senior year, but I know in the long run that my body is thanking me so much. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to see, like, it's hard to let go of the potential. That's part of the athlete identity that people don't always understand because unless you are an athlete, I would argue you don't really get it. It's like, oh, I miss my team. I miss playing. Like, no, it's like your whole being. And it's like the idea of the potential, the missed out potential of what it mm-hmm. could be or what you think yeah. you're capable of. And like, it's not even necessarily you're comparing things to your teammates. You're comparing yourself to the starter. Like you are comparing like the best version of you and mm-hmm. like you are at such a high. And I, I had a similar experience in high school. Um, you know, very talented one. Um, I mean, not, not Gatorade level, but like, you know, like <laughs> high school, I had like a 4,000 McDonald's, person. McDonald's. What did I say? Gatorade? <laughs> Uh, the the opposite not a health not a health drink (laughs) but equally impressive an award uh and they or like I wasn't like a high school athlete was like heavily recruited and so like I saw what it was gonna be as this like Mm -hmm. peak and then it's like oh and and you try to pick a school um that you'll be happy with that was my big thing that I was gonna be happy playing there not playing there. I was wanted to go to a school that I'd be happy with if I didn't play at the end of the day, yeah. I wanted a school that I wanted a degree from. Um, but then it was also weird because I was on teams that won national championships, state championships, mm-hmm. and UNC is not there yet. Um, <laughs> similar to Duke basketball. So it was also weird going from this, the model of like changing the mindset of like, I'm not playing for a national championship. And that was just the reality of it. So I think yeah. that's, that's something that can be, um, like, you're always going to feel like, what if I would have gone back, but like mm-hmm. you said, your body right now, like now that you're removed from it too, it's probably like, it's still not great. I don't even want to imagine what it would be <laughs> if, if I went back. Um, so I want to go back to kind of what we talked about before on the mental health aspects of injury. And mm-hmm. I think on a lot of campuses, mental health resources is severely lacking um, yes. or, or even like athletes have a hard time when they're injured. They've never dealt with depression. They've never dealt with anxiety or like they go back and um, PTSD is probably not the exact right term, but like, I no, know I, 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 I use that too. Okay. I use okay. That, <laughs> and that you go back and you're doing a similar thing where you got hurt. And so like, people don't even realize just because you've never had any mental health disorders, it's very possible that something might happen, whether freshman year is challenging for you, or you face an injury or this year with, uh, this past year with COVID, the season's being impacted. It's very possible. And it's still completely valid. If you have mental health struggles that almost pop out, pop up out of the blue. So what kind of resources did you utilize uh, when you were an athlete? And do you wish, and this can be your whole career from high school on, um, did you kind of, what was your relationship with mental health? Did you know what was going on? Did you have access to resources and would you have done anything differently? So I'm going to answer the first question first. Would I have done anything differently? Yes. (laughs) Start there. Um, But 
in high school, I was diagnosed with like depression and anxiety. Um, and only resource that I knew was a therapist. And for an athlete, um, I know sports psychologists are more popular now, but I wish I would have taken advantage of that. Um, and maybe, maybe not in high school, but definitely in college, especially because my therapist when uh, in high school and in college, like my regular therapist, it was not like I didn't see it helping me in any type of way. So I didn't really feel that I was um, evolving as a person and helping my mental space at all. So by me not having the resources that I need just outside of injuries was not ideal for me. And then when I did get injured and keep getting injured, like I had honestly had no resources. And um, I don't, I can't really like picture back and say that resources were given to me at all at that too. And so that's why, um, that's one of the reasons why I created like one of the kind foundation because I truly felt like I was alone and I, I didn't know, I didn't know other people were going through like what I was going through. And one of the features on my foundation is that um, I share other people's stories and a lot of them have been Duke athletes and I'm not discrediting Duke at all, but we all go, we were all going on the same campus and seeing each other at social events, but nobody knew that we were going through these things um, just because we had like a smile on our face and we tried to keep things pushing because that's just how we were. Um, and I would say we, that's how we were, like, just because, like, athletes, like, you you make a mistake in the game, but you have to have, like, a poker face. Everything's going to be okay because if you let it get to you, then um, everything's just going to keep going south. So in high school, I didn't, have any, I didn't have that many resources. In college, I didn't have that many resources. But as I look back, I really took up yoga my junior and senior year. And I didn't realize this until probably outside of once I graduated from college that that truly helped me a lot. I took that up on my own, but I think for athletes to be mindful about themselves and their bodies is such a great, great tool for them. And it will excel their game in so many ways. Um, Post-college, pretty much now, like, I would say I managed my mental health, like, so much better than what I did. Um, I journal a lot. I meditate as well. I do yoga. Um, I do see a great therapist now and everything to help me get through like the obstacles that I faced um, throughout my life and everything. And those are kind of like the big main key ones that I do. I have like little things that I do. One thing that I'm very prominent about. And this also happened. Uh, I don't know if it happened that much in undergrad, but it definitely happened in grad school. Probably, probably like after my junior year started happening. My Friday nights are like my my self-care nights <laughs> I I like if my team is going out like to dinner or something I would tell them like don't text or call me on Friday because that is like my night for myself like I'm gonna see y'all Saturday morning at practice I have so many things to do like this weekend or whatever but like Friday night was like my time to be by myself I didn't watch tv during the week because of like school and everything so Friday night I would binge watch all my shows I would order like my favorite meal and um Friday nights that was always like my key thing and I didn't realize like how important that was to me until like working now and everything like I need time to like recharge for the next week and that little bit of like me time was my recharge to like get ready for a practice or a game or whatever I needed to um mentally charge for yeah I think that's that's really important because as much 
as like, it's, it's like about setting boundaries almost and communicating yeah. those boundaries with your friends, teammate, whatever the coaches. And it's super hard to do. Um, because you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Like you can't even communicate boundaries, obviously, if you haven't defined them for yourself. So it's something mm -hmm. that is really hard, but really important. Um, obviously we are like, for, so for people who don't know, Duke and UNC are like 10 miles away from each other. <laughs> and um, so I, I, we had the very similar experience here, but I'm sure it's nationwide. And the, the support that we had, like, it was kind of there, kind of like you said, we had a sports psychologist that was there and would like sit in on practices and stuff. But like, no one like really talked too much about like, it was more yeah. just like genuinely just sport things or like just that, but it didn't really take, um, at least the, the friends I had that talked to him, it wasn't about like the mental health aspect. They didn't like overlap. It was just like, yeah. oh, I'm feeling anxious when I get my one chance to go in, which is mm -hmm. something a sports psychologist does help with. But like you, I, I didn't really realize of the full capability it was, I think it would have been really great. And I think schools, like I'm going to do this with my future children. If I coached, I would do this on my team. I would like have like mandatory sessions. Like you do like a concussion protocol at the beginning of the season. You, you have check-ins yeah. after you get one, like COVID is a perfect incident that that's like a trigger. Like you, like if you get mm -hmm. injured, you should see a sports psychologist. If, if you have any of these like identifying things, like you have to do it for a concussion for your own health. Like I think there you should be able to identify some like things that might be triggering for even former teammates, like maybe surveying the seniors on a team and being like, Hey, what were the main things that caused you stress or anxiety or, or your mental health to suffer? And kind of having like check-ins of like, Hey, during these events, maybe preseason stinks for everyone. Um, yeah. and then what helped? Okay, cool. Like I know at our, our school, we did have yoga that was given on our off season. And I do agree. Like I was absolutely awful at it, but I do agree that it was like a nice kind of like mindful body of like, and they would say like, you know, kind of empowering and appreciative things about your body. Um, and like, you're just, you, you just understand your body in a different way from this go, go, go hundred miles per hour, like speed. Um, and I think too, like, like you said, like, it's hard, it's hard when I, I also suffer, suffered from depression. I was diagnosed at a very young age and I had a hard time speaking to my coaches about it. Um, in a sense that I didn't always feel like they completely understand. Like, I feel like sometimes yeah. they, they took it as it was situational when it actually was something that I struggled with. Think, things could be the best in my life. And I, I, I still struggled with it. How was your experience, mm -hmm. um, talking to coaching staffs or athletic trainers about, um, about it and how could they, or is there anything they said that helped or anything that you wish they could have been more prepared for in the journey? Yeah, I um, I also told my head coach and it was kind of like she heard me, but she didn't like she didn't fully hear me like you like she didn't understand me as at the same um, token. And maybe she was just like busy uh, with like she has 20 different athletes she has to deal with and everything. So I um it was kind of, it just kind of made me feel like I was still alone. Um, I did tell my teammates so they were aware of it, but I didn't tell them until, until after I've already been established there as a freshman and everything. So it was during the year that I told them, um, but they were very supportive of me, of me and like trying to, but at the same time, I think I kept such a brave face and like a smile on my face, like not all the time, but I struggled internally and by myself. Um, so no one really knew how bad that it was. Um, I think that if I was more open with them, that they would have understood more, my teammates and my coach, that they would have understood more. Um, so I don't truly know if it was all on me or if it was all on them. 
Um, I think it was like a there were there were definitely some signs there. Like one of my teammates did see like one of my arms, like after I self harmed myself and everything. So it like the signs were there, but no one truly. I don't think anyone knew how to approach it at that too. So I think for like if there's a coach or a player listening right now, like if you see some type of signs, like just talk to them. So they, they know that you're there. They know that you're, you're listening, that you understand that you may not understand like a hundred percent or so, but just so they can feel that they're, they're being seen. Yeah. I think it's sometimes hard and the, especially, you know, I'm going to take accountability for like what I'm doing. I, a lot of times assume the worst. So when someone reacts something and then they're like, like I might say that to my coach and then my coach responds you, but you're doing so great. Like, and it's like, all you hear is the, but, and then all of a sudden that connotation. So like my, I mean, my coach treats everyone like he, like you are their children. Like I know he has deep love for all of his players. And like, I know that's Mm -hmm. not, so it's like, but it's hard when you're in the the depression or, or other issue to be able to see the intention over the words. So Mm -hmm. I think like, if you're ever not sure, like you said, just a very like, I am so here for you right now. Like, do you want to talk about anything? Is just a great, um, you know, great language because like even saying like nothing at first, like it's going to be like impulsive, like, cause you're going to yeah. be surprised. Like, I mean, you see these people and I think you a lot of times put your players on the pedestal of this, this person has this life. They put forward this best foot and it's like hard mm-hmm. to see and imagine. And like, they're going to be surprised, but that doesn't mean they're disappointed in you. So I think a lot of times I, if someone didn't reach out to me or someone ignored a text, instead of thinking that they ignored my text because they hate me, they're embarrassed of me. They don't really care about me. It's probably just because they're busy, but it's like just yes. something that's like very real though. When you're in the depths of depression, it is like, and it's not, I'm not saying I shouldn't take it as a big deal because it was a big deal to me, but separating that intention from the words is I think going to be like the biggest thing for athletes who are kind of struggling with non-supportive coaches, just really try to take the intention and like, hopefully know that that coach does care about you as a person. And if not, mm-hmm. and if you, and if you don't genuinely believe that, like, which I know is the case, unfortunately, sometimes try to find someone else to talk to at the school, whether it's an academic counselor, um, a captain, you know, assistant coach, um, trying to find someone out there because, you know, they do, they do care. And that's going to pretty much be like the relationship you have. Like, it's hard to not feel those negative connotations. Uh, so mm-hmm. you brought up a little bit of your, I have a question. Yeah. Or a um, yeah. I just wanted to ask Lene, like if you saw over the course of your time at Duke, like any institutional changes in terms of like mental health training for coaches or um, the athletic department sort of vamping up the resources or maybe spreading awareness about mental health at all. Um, because you're a recent grad, right? Like what year? 2018. 2018. So three years, I would hope that, you know, Duke university, even UNC, like where Emily and I like would start, instituting some sort of um training for the coaches but yeah did you see anything like that so as far as the coaches I was never aware that um at least for my sport that any of the coaches went through like a mental health training or anything um as far as like a raising awareness it was kind of like we would have like a couple events like here and there like maybe like two or three throughout the whole entire year and then like 
at like people would stand up say like their stories and like the, the events will like get like pretty like deep and like people would really open up but like it was like after the meeting like nothing else happened until the next meeting and yeah. so there's um there was a lacrosse player who took her life she was my year and her name is morgan and um she's uh her parents and her friends started like a morgan's message um her foundation and everything to keep her story going but mm -hmm. i just like i wonder like if there were more awareness like if there was more awareness there was more resources given like would she still be here today yeah that's like a really valid question and I wonder the same thing too, because when you were speaking earlier, Winnie, about like your experience and how you've started this one of a kind foundation and you're sharing stories on the website and it's mostly Duke athletes and you're noticing that like all of you guys or a, a good number of you guys were struggling in silence at the same time like mm -hmm. i mean i've heard that so many times and emily's heard it too just from like the work that we've done with the virago project it's always like two or so years after the athlete is moved away from college and they start like becoming comfortable with talking about mental health then they're like talking to their former teammates and other athletes in their mm -hmm. athletic department and they realize like oh snap like so many of us were going through this yeah. And it's like the same story all the time. And it's like, well, is, is that not enough for the schools to like really start, you know, implementing some, some serious training or um, programs there? I mm -hmm. feel like two times a year or whatever it is, isn't enough. It should be like, you know, a required talk um, during preseason or something. Yeah. I um I have some teammates now who are coaches now and uh I don't know if it's like they see what I'm doing but I know they are in, like talking about to their teams more about mental health and trying to bring their awareness so I think that at least from what I've seen from the people that I personally like went to school with they're trying to change the stigma around it but there are so many schools out here um so you I only have a handful of them that I keep, um, that I watch like directly. So I don't know what all the hundreds and thousands of schools, other schools are doing, which is, which is crazy because this should be like a priority if, um, for athletes. For sure. I know we all go through like the cheesy, like alcohol training, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, police officers come and they're like, <laughs> put, make you put on the drunk goggles and stuff like that. <laughs> like, can we just do some like mental health awareness, please? Mm -hmm. <laughs> please. I wonder if um, I think Athlete Ally put together that like, have you guys seen that survey they've done on like LGBTQ, transgender yeah. rights? I wonder if there's like something similar to that. So basically if you're listening and you don't know, they have this really great scale where they reward points based on, do they have a sex, does your school have a sexual, in the athletic department, have a sexual misconduct policy, check. Um, inclusion of transgender athletes, check. Like it's all these things and there's like a scale points. So I wonder if there's something like that for mental health and like, so you could see where universities are lacking because I think part of it is ultimately we know it's a problem like it's gonna like we're not trying to single out UNC and Duke and saying like we didn't have these like it's gonna be everywhere um mm -hmm. for 
not everywhere, but a lot of places. So I think if there was some like accountability, uh, that would be a really good start. So we should definitely look into it and um, see if that's not something. And maybe that's something that one of a, a kind foundation in Virago Project can have a little uh, dual collaboration on. Because I think that is ultimately how we're going to see results. Like we can sit here and say like, this needs to happen at schools. Like we're missing this, but like, how yeah. are we going to get that started? Um, so true. Yeah. And the, the answer is no, there's not like any organization out there doing that, particularly for student athletes, which is why like there's one of the one of a kind foundation and which is why there's Virago Project and the Hidden Opponent and like all these other aware and Morgan's message and all of these other like pop up nonprofits that are trying to bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. Because well, I think this is a good idea. I think this is something if it's not there should be worked on. So maybe like all of those those organizations we just named, if you know someone in one of those organizations or an organization like that, um, send us a message. And maybe this is something that we can like do moving forward. Cause I think it can, it doesn't have to be, it's not hard. It can be like done a few different ways by reaching out to schools, uh, by reaching out to current players, by reaching out to current coaches. Cause we have a pretty good network through all of us combined. Um, so I think it's something that's like a good starting spot of like, Hey, let's see some changes, um, changes in this industry. Cause it's, it's needed, unfortunately very needed very needed uh so taylor and i know because like you said we talked before this can you tell our listeners more about one of a kind foundation and kind of why um what i guess you you went into it a little bit but what exactly you find (laughs) in these athlete stories the trends um etc yeah so one of a kind foundation corporation was launched in january of this year 2021 and i have thought about the project like probably like a year or two ago but I wanted to make sure I was in the right mind space to one um put this foundation on because I didn't want to just put it out there and then it stopped because I couldn't fulfill what I wanted to fulfill um so that's why it launched this year um I the main purpose of it is to share other people's stories so that you are aware and that you are you know that you're not alone um the main slogan behind it is that one of a kind uh there's only one you in this world and the world needs you um i've shared other athlete stories um and i don't i didn't want to focus primarily on athletes but that's pretty much been the people that's reached out to me and the ones to share their stories so um most of them have been athletes uh of all sports we've had football gymnastics basketball um there will be a field hockey um, episode coming soon. There's cheerleading. So there's a variety of sports that show that mental health has been, I don't want to say deteriorating, mental health has been uh, going in the wrong direction in athletes and everything. Uh, but the, the other side of it is also sharing resources to that will help athletes and even people who aren't athletes to overcome and manage their mental health illnesses and um, obstacles. It's awesome. And it's just so needed because the more you can normalize, um, like a lot of times when we ask people if they want to come on this, they're like, well, my story is not that special. Like it's, it's just my story. It's so special. So (laughs) special. And there's like so many people who will relate to it that you don't even know. Um, so I think it's such a unique need and just encouraging people to share their stories because it's, um, 
I don't want to say it's too late for you, but even former players, like you're really making a difference in these current athletes' lives and you're making people like not have the same experience that they did. Um, like, you know, if you, you shared your story about how you felt like the right decision was to have the surgery immediately and like, maybe they have no mental health issues, but are in a surgery and like, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe this is something I have to think about. Cause it's really easy when my coach asks, are you sure, um, to go. So I think just, you never know what someone's going to pick from it. And I think that's like the awesome thing. Um, so I, I just love everyone in the space because it's just so needed and every voice is unique and, and so important. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I think, um, you know, we're all about learning and sharing the story based on your own experiences. So based on your own mental health journey, what are takeaways or advice you'd like to leave former you or sportswomen in general? Um, the first thing I would say is to like know your self-worth. Um, something I struggle with even now is realizing that like everything I've accomplished and I downplay it. And even like in like the work area, like I don't wear like my college year or I don't tell people that I played basketball and stuff because like like I said I was disappointed in myself so just realizing that like your story is your story and that that story is an amazing thing for you to tell um so just realizing your self-worth with that and then to speak out like one of the reasons I didn't get the help that I needed is because I didn't speak out to my teammates and tell them how bad that it was and I kept a smile on my face I'm not saying like go around pouting or being like oh guys like this is what's going on but to, just to be honest like I try to downplay like what was going on to me and if if I kept downplaying it like my story could have ended different than than it did so just to speak out know your self-worth and stay true to you <laughs> I love that and I, I think it's really hard especially like I guess I'm sure there's a lot of people listening whose career ended either from injury, not the senior season they wanted. We've had people from COVID that their season's over. Um, how have you been able to successfully shift the identity? We're all still athletes, right? We have this lifelong thing, but the athlete identity, at least for me, when I quit my sport did end and it was this huge gaping hole. So what has helped you over these past few years since your retirement um, with that athlete tradition or athlete transition, especially when it was ending, not the way you wanted. Mm -hmm. So I didn't say this earlier, but, um, cause I forgot, but when I, when I first stepped away from the sport, like I completely stepped away from it because I resented it so much. I didn't want to pick up a basketball. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be around my teammates because at some point, like I, I was kind of jealous of them, like, wow, you get to do all this and I don't. But I, I changed my perspective and I live by this saying, and it's like so cliche and so corny, but everything happens for a reason. Um, I'm a religious person and I do believe in God and his plan is way more bigger than what I have planned for myself. Um, so even though I didn't get to play my senior year, even though I went through my injuries, like it has made me who I am today. I am a strong woman because I have walked on probably a whole year altogether on crutches. <laughs> so I'm strong internally and externally. Yes. Um, in the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like, I like everything happens for a reason and just trying to bring the positives out of like, um, I won't say the negatives, but I truly thought they were negatives in my life. But if none of those things happened to me, I wouldn't be the person who I am today. I think that's really good. And I even love like, 
even the it's cliches but they're cliches for a reason like finding the positive <laughs> and the negatives because when I and you're know, just speaking on the depression side since that's what you said you had mm-hmm. as well um but it feels like you can you really ton- tunnel on the negatives and that's just yeah. completely normal and that's going to happen and even when something good happens it's always up but this also happened and you can't even like mm-hmm. focus on it so it like is like when we say focus on the positive it's not just like oh be happy force happiness it's like no don't just take the negative because it's really easy to do unfortunately like it's yeah. much easier to be negative than it is to focus on that because it's not always just a silver lining. Sometimes something really good will happen. Like you, like you might graduate with a great degree from a fantastic university, but still you're like left, like, and it's hard to focus on like, well, I got a good degree. Um, my senior year really wasn't like, what. yeah, (laughs) but like, I'll never really get over that feeling of my senior year of what if. So I think, um, that's a really good reminder for people who are going through like that athlete identity and like, the athlete identity in general, at least for me, it was all focused on the negatives for a while in that transition of the things I could have done differently, the the parts that didn't go right, but really focusing then on, because now I'm, I'm much farther out than you. I'm over 10 years out now. And it's like 10 years, no, almost 10 years out. And it's like, I remember the fun, like the fun things off the court. I remember who I lived with. I remember the fun things we did on like Saturday mornings. And it's, it's just such a different perspective, which just came with years because like your brain just doesn't have the capability to hold on to all those minute details of losing a game by two points. Um, but at that time, like when you graduate, like that's what you go back, like you're focusing on all of that and that's normal, but just try to really have those memories seeded out by the positive memories. Um, I think that's phenomenal as well. All right. That is all the questions I had for you today. Um, where can our listeners find you on online and social media? So on social media, my Instagram handle is Lene, L-Y-N-E-E underscore B-E, which is short for my last name, Belton. And then um, if you want to listen to any of the stories, one of a kind uh, foundation has incorporated the website is one of a kind foundation.com. So feel free to go there and listen to some stories, give feedback, whatever. Um, there should be an Instagram coming for them soon. <laughs> cool. No, I'm really excited. I'll definitely share my story with you for a little, uh, UNC, as long as your, your Duke athletes don't roast me too bad. Um, <laughs> no, it'll be all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like wherever you're feeling comfortable sharing your story, we offer between Virago projects and you, we offer different mediums and stuff. So, um, thank you so much for coming on today and having this conversation. Um, again, the more stories we can get out there, the better. And th- thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable today. Thank you for having me again.